morning and welcome to Voices of Yosha, our special place to discuss all things related to health. Health perceived in a multidimensional manner, with aspects of the mind, body, soul, aspects of well-being through family, society, community, and also of self, with a peek into what modern science findings are, what ancient Indian and Asian classical sciences and systems say, we will be taking this holistic approach to health and have some focused discussions on women's health in the context of the Indian subcontinent. My aim is to provide you with awareness so that each of us can make more informed decisions about our health, our family's health. I'm very grateful to the kindness, generosity and belief of the Pollination Project for the grant to make this podcast possible. today's episode of Voices of Yosha, we are privileged to have again Dr. Omar Ram, a senior obstetrician gynecologist at Dr. Sita Pati Clinic in Chennai. And in this episode, she's going to be focusing around pregnancy, her speciality. And as an obstetrician, she sees many, many women over the years and with different kinds of problems. So Dr. Omar, my first question to you would be, how do women ensure that they have a seamless pregnancy? Where does the prep start so that they have a good, healthy, problem-free pregnancy? So I think the prep actually should start a few months before they get pregnant. And uh, some focus on simple things like ensuring that there is B12 and folic acid is something that we advise all women because it is known to reduce birth defects and if especially you are uh, on a vegetarian diet where a lot of the greens are cooked then you could have b12 deficiency so b12 and folic acid become important supplementation the other is to ensure that you know the vaccinations like against rubella hmm. and chickenpox are done because rubella is a very mild viral infection and uh, it doesn't do anything to adults. But if it happens in the first three months of pregnancy, it almost certainly affects the baby and you can have uh, hearing defects, you can have cataracts, you can have significant abnormalities in the baby. Now, most of us, if we have had MMR, we'd have had immunity as a vaccine, yeah. but it's prudent to check. So these are medically, these are things. And of course, I think increasingly we are advising women couples in fact to focus on weight because it is not at all unusual to see women book for their pregnancy with BMIs of 30 and 33 and 35 and there's very good data that with, when you start off with that higher weight it also means that there's possibly lower physical activity and the combination increases your risk of developing blood pressure and diabetes etc in pregnancy. So if we can focus so that those lifestyle changes are made before, then it ensures that the pregnancy is healthier. Of course, sometimes women are on medication for things that they can't avoid because they can get a seizure or they have a medical problem. Right. Sometimes there are genetic problems in the family. It's not uncommon. They'll tell us in the third month that the husband's brother has some kind of a neurological problem or you know, their parents had lost a baby because of an issue. And if all of this was known ahead, then appropriate uh, workup would be done to know, A, is, are you at risk of having such a problem in this pregnancy? And if yes, how can it be averted? So bringing all this up 
in pregnancy makes it difficult to be timeline wise because by the time we do all the evaluation you may be well beyond the point in time where we can do anything about okay so that's a really critical point which i myself was unaware of till you've now mentioned it that the communication with the doctor about things that we perhaps might not even think relevant or you know they're in the periphery of our memory yeah right we need to actually perhaps collate all that put it all together and put it before the doctor in a summary so that the doctor can select what is relevant and what is not relevant i mean for this pregnancy for this person because we don't know what's important right yeah. we might think oh yes my grandmother lost a child we don't know you know it's in 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 the fog of memory true so we don't know really what happens sometimes in the family and traditionally asian families did not discuss health openly absolutely i was just going to say that sometimes if then just the couple come they may not know because yes. nobody in the family would have discussed it with them part of the reason is you want to wish something bad away yes you know you don't want to talk because you have blocked it from your memory you don't want to talk about it you don't understand the implication right so and the second thing is i think doctors also have to ask yes see many times you know when taking a history if we don't ask there's no reason for them to mention it because they think doctors and ask me why is it said it's not important i am not sure it's important this lady or this gentleman who is the professional has not asked me the question so why should i say it yes and then later you know an ultrasound picks up some findings something happens and then at the fifth month we are having a conversation which ideally we should have had before this one conceived yes yes so that's such an important point so i think there doctors need to make more time absolutely the patient yeah. they are really overstretched they all really overstretched you know because you you're just thinking how many are there still waiting outside and you have to attend to all of them that's one and two is we as women need to understand that we need to look into our family histories understand what there is because also we lose family members right and we yeah. that nugget of information is gone very true i don't know what happened exactly to my grandmother or to my elderly aunt i don't know yeah and it was never spoken about so i think we need to start collating this genetic history of ourselves and keep it very true because today there are options there are the science allows us to make certain you know identify certain conditions so and i think as a doctor i think you know i agree we may not have the time to have very detailed conversations then you must train the system so that somebody is asking that question right. so you either have a physician assistant or a junior or somebody who asks the question flags it so that when they come now this may happen that you know i've had situations where you know sometimes the young junior who is working with me will become very frustrated and say but ma'am i did ask the question they didn't give me the information so i said that's okay because they did, may not feel confident in divulging what they think is very personal information to you but since you have asked the question they have thought about it and they have discussed it with me if you hadn't asked and i hadn't asked it would have gone unnoticed so the system must allow yes uh, for this question to be asked and make people aware that this is all the information that we want absolutely this is such a great point and i hope now you in an academic role 
are somehow going to be able to bring that in into the system because we need proactive measures from both the doctors, from medical systems, from nursing homes and clinics to be doing this so that every generation is more aware and we know that we carry our genes forward. True. Absolutely. Now, when we're talking about pregnancy prep, mm -hmm. there are these moments of joy when a baby is born. But after that, there is something called postpartum where, where there are many issues which are unfortunately a stark reality. It's not so happy always for the mother. Where there's sleep deprivation, added responsibility 24-7 and 365 days and it just goes on and on. And of course, household work and she becomes the caregiver to, you know, even more people. So in this, we see postpartum depression is fairly common. And how would you recommend that women or young mothers deal with it? Yeah. Again, a very important aspect of pregnancy, which is often not paid attention to. I think, again, what is important is that we pay attention to mental health before and during the pregnancy. So in the last uh, year, we've actually started giving a, a questionnaire to all our pregnant women, just asking two questions for screening for depression and screening for anxiety. And the amount, the number who are screening positive for anxiety is surprisingly high. So what would that percentage be? I think we are in the region of about 12 to 15 percent, which is, I didn't think we will see that much. Oh, that's very low. I was Depression is more. Okay. Depression, we expect to be more. But anxiety of significant level ah. is about 12 to 15 percent. So we are able to pick it up and then refer them for, you know, de-stressing, counseling, not to a psychiatrist. Often it's something else. It may be the pressure of the job. It may be anxiety about the pregnancy. But somewhere, sometimes there can be a problem as well. So we need to screen. That's the first thing. Secondly, we all assume that a woman will just seamlessly fill into this role of a mother. Uh, because all said and done, the mother is born only when the child is born. Right. And then this focus of attention completely shifts onto the baby. And as you said, there are sleepless nights, there's pain. You know, someone told me I'm feeling like a cow yes. because that's all I'm doing. I'm just feeding. And uh, work, which was a very important part of their own sense of self and identity, is not there for the next number of months. So all this put together, postpartum blues is very common. Blues is just feeling low usually recovers within two weeks. Any woman who feels teary, low, depressed, feels a sense of disconnect with the baby for longer than two weeks is postpartum depression. And that definitely needs attention. And um, many of the times with counseling, it can get better. Ensuring good sleep helps, good support helps. But some of them will need medication. Identification is important. In families where there is good support, you often don't see it so much. So I think that joint family structure has its benefits. But around the context of pregnancy, and I can see that in some communities, you know, the, the woman is never alone. There's always an aunt or a, you know, sister-in-law or a cousin who has handled babies before. Right. See, otherwise you have a nuclear family 
the mother, grandmother, grandparent who's in the room, the last child she's handled is this child. Right. So she has forgotten everything. Absolutely. Whereas the advantage of this joint family structure is everybody's handled a baby. Some of them may have experienced postpartum depression. They're able to pick up the signs better. And then they are able to give advice. Some of it may be appropriate or inappropriate, but at least they can flag it. Yes. And the responsibility burden can be shared. shared. Right. Of the household work, of caregiving, of everything. Because you have someone who empathizes with you, with the family, who's just gone through it a couple of years ago or recently or whatever. Yeah. So there is that and that I feel there's a softer landing. I think so. But increasingly couples want to do it all on their own right it's a very culturally a very western thing yes and uh, i've had couples who say you don't want the grandparent uh, in the room we will handle the baby morning and night and by 48 hours they're you know 72 hours they're both ragged lack of sleep but i remember telling a couple of them you know they do it there because they don't have family to support you have willing hands so why would you not take their help. So this is a cultural shift, which I think has increased. I mean, of course, people can argue that earlier there was postpartum depression and we just didn't, it was just brushed aside and we didn't deal with it. Probably true. But I think we have to look at what we can gain from the positivity of a traditional system and, uh, you know, what we can gain from the modern system and try and get the best of both worlds and not pick the worst of both. You've hit the nail on the head. I think not just in India, for most of Asia, at least Southeast Asia up to the Far East, we have the benefit of ancient knowledge, of ancient systems, of a very strong culture, local culture, in whichever country, right? It all worked. And now we're aping blindly whatever comes out from the US, not even I would say West, but just America. We're following that cultural system. We're for a lot of that. We're good. I'd, I would say, why not follow, like you said, the science, the progress, but we also need to mix that, blend that with our cultural ethos and what works for us. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those people are dying to have what we have, which they don't have, and it's not so easy to create. Yes, yes, I agree, yeah. And we are shedding it away and thinking that we're making progress, but we're not making progress for the right things, you know? So aping or eating out of cardboard boxes and, you know, ordering pizza and eating it out of cardboard boxes or thinking that I can bring up a child alone. It takes a village to raise a child, as they say. And we've forgotten that we have that village around us. Very true. So in this scenario of postpartum depression, what are your observations regarding the efficacy of alternative therapies like yoga, meditation, herbs, botanicals? So I think uh, definitely yoga and meditation help because what they do is help you f shift focus and make a connect of the mind and body. And I think it, it's definitely helpful. The herbs, I'm sure, have their place. But the thing is, as an allopath, I don't know how it works. Right. And so I think that's something that we need to kind of understand and be open if it works very good but if it doesn't and if there is so I think clearly if there are situations where the woman is feeling extremely low if there are suicidal thoughts if uh, there are if she's scared that she's going to harm the baby 
at that extreme, I am not going to trust all of this. Right. So there I would say psychiatrist and therapy parallelly begin all of this so that you're able to wean off. Right. But uh, yoga and meditation is a good practice irrespective. Excellent. Excellent. Um, even for things like period pain, mm -hmm. uh, I tell a lot of young girls to stick to, you know, learn and stick to yoga while the medications are uh, mm. working. Because there is a lot to be said for your therapeutic yoga. Absolutely. So, now that we've sort of discussed alternate therapies and approaches, would you say that postpartum depression would be something which people start taking antidepressant pills for? Or do you think that they should approach it in a 360-degree manner where, you know, they also have the family support at home, they rope in, even if their mothers, aunts, grandparents don't live with them, at least hand them there when you're, you know, having the child for the few months to tide over that, you know, new phase in your life and added responsibility. And also people who have these watchful eyes on you and lend you a helping hand, a helping ear, sometimes to just listen to you, you know, to sort of get it all out of your system and to guide you. That's one, two would be nutritional because postpartum depression also is perhaps linked to the chemical imbalance that she yeah. is going on in her body. So the right kind of nutritional intake. And women, like you said, tend to put themselves, you know, in second place or third yeah. place. So I think family uh, and support definitely is helpful. But we have to keep in mind that sometimes women are in very difficult situations with a very poor relationships with their in-laws or hmm. sometimes with their own family. And so yeah, each that is there, then it, they may be better off without that support. So we have to try and understand what is the conflict that is bringing out this depression or anxiety or whatever, and then see how we are able to, you know, where it is appropriate. Certainly, I agree, as I said earlier also, the extended family structure will be supported. But sometimes the conflict arises from the family. And in those case, cases, we have to be on the woman's side to help her sort it out. Right. Uh, nutrition, exercise, all of that, meditation, all of that helps. But definitely a percentage of women need medication and there's nothing wrong in taking it. Usually it is short term. Okay. And then they'll be able to wean off. The other thing in the postpartum period is... Also, if they have had other problems in pregnancy like diabetes or hypertension or if they're overweight, to focus attention so that they are able to address all those issues before they consider or plan another pregnancy. Hmm. You know, a lot of people think of the postpartum period just as when they're feeding the baby and at best contraception. But there's a lot of preventive health that you can do in that area, which... Again, it's a conversation to be had with the woman. Okay. So postpartum is not, like you rightly said, just breastfeeding and contraception and even just caregiving for the baby, but extends to a lot of things that are happening to you as the mother, as the new mother, and learning to take care of both mind and body. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Uma. Thank you. Now let's take a moment for ourselves and glide into 
a moment of calm. Close your eyes and we will do some gentle breath work and meditation and a small mantra at the end. Close your eyes. Sit down comfortably cross-legged if you can or on a chair or on the floor. Your palms resting on your knees, facing upwards, with your fingertips of your index finger and thumb joined together in the Dhyan Mudra. Watch your breath at your navel gently rise and fall. Rise and fall. Inhale and exhale. Inhale and exhale. Inhale and exhale. Continue to watch your breath gently with your eyes shut. Feel the calmness spreads through the body. When the breath is calm, the mind is calm and the body is calm. Now continue to sit with your eyes closed as we chant a mantra to close the session. Purnasya Purnamatyaya Purnameva Vasishyate Shanti 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 In our next episode of Voices of Yosha, we will be talking to a young mother, Pankhuri, She'll be talking about her journey through postpartum depression and how she got out of it without any medications. If you enjoyed the podcast, click on like and follow. And do share Voices of Yosha with others who might like it too. See you next time.